Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. What happens when you let go of fear, when you follow your inner voice, when you trust in something greater? Well, my guest today knows a thing or two about that. When she was at the top of her game professionally, Lydia Dean found herself on the verge of a breakdown. And she and her husband and her young children embarked on an inspirational path around the world in search of more meaning. As they got farther from what they thought of as home, the deeper their connection to each other and to the people of the world grew. Are you ready to meet Lydia? Lydia Dean is the founder of Go Philanthropic Travel, a socially conscious travel company that connects people with the lesser known humanitarians of the world. She's a co-founder of the nonprofit Go Philanthropic Foundation, where she and a team advocate on behalf of people who are fighting for their basic rights. Lydia's documented her extraordinary pilgrimage around the globe and the untraditional way she raised her family in a book called Jumping the Picket Fence. That's an in, an adventure that uh, a memoir and an adventure that aims to inspire others to follow their higher calling. You can find out more about Lydia and the book, Jumping the Picket Fence, and all her work at LydiaDean.com. Lydia, welcome to Out of the Fog. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so pleased to, to have this chance to speak to you. Love your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being here. There's a, there's a place in the book that really sticks with me. It's when you're still living in the States and your kids are real young and you've gone to the library and you've got all the travel books you can get your hands on. I've done that too, right? Wanted to be somewhere else, felt like I wasn't in the right place. And so I read books about India and Africa and everything I could get my hand on, but I didn't go to those places. What happened in that moment when you went, well, these books are not going to cut it. I'm going to do something else. That's such a great question because it was both um, a really beautiful moment in time. Um, I had, you know, I found the library because I needed an escape from my own reality and I had stopped working and, um, you know, didn't quite know what to do with myself and felt really lost. And so, you know, ended up at the library. Books were always so comforting to me and had, you know, felt that um, there was just, you know, solace in reading about other people who were going through difficult times and uh, and also other people who had decided to to take on great challenges. So, you know, I, I'd read, I just read, um, you know, with the kids by my, my feet um, for months and months. And then it was just this like strange kind of wave that, that came over me that, just sort of like both an internal push and sort of, um, I don't know, just a strange kind of rush of energy where it was suddenly it very, very clear to me that I had read enough and that I was facing a choice between, um, you know, continuing to read about others and being a passive sort of bystander to my life, or I could, set fear aside and see what it had in store. And and there was just no looking back. I knew, I knew I couldn't read another book that I had to go out and live my own chapters. Now at that time you were young, you were just in your early thirties, if I'm remembering right. And your kids were young. 
in, oh, in your late thirties, still quite young, yeah, quite 20. young, really. Um, twenties, <laughs> yeah, not quite thirty yet. Wow. Um, and and you had these young kids, and you had a husband, and there's. It's not just like you went by yourself. Everybody came with you, and part of what you chronicle, I think, so honestly in the book, is that sometimes your husband, you and your husband, weren't on the same page about this. Can you say a little bit about making those big moves, and you're also navigating re- the relationship stuff as well? Well, I guess we hadn't, I mean, I guess we assumed that we were on the same page, which is why that moment in time felt so strange. I mean, we, we thought we wanted the same things. We were both hardworking and we were building a a business together, a search consultant business. And we were thrilled to have the kids and we had this lovely home and, uh, you know, I just wasn't right with it. And uh, yet the, the, the most difficult part about it was that I couldn't explain what it was that wasn't working or what it was that I wanted. I just didn't know it was, it was unknown to me. Um, I just knew that it was out there. So it became a difficult place from which to kind of convince my husband because it wasn't as if I was saying, well, let's go do a, B or C. It was more like, let's, let's go find out what's out there. And, you know, he had really worked very hard, but we both had to, to, to find this place of security and to give it up at age, you know, 28 was, you know, it just didn't feel comfortable and it didn't feel like the right time in life to, to walk away from that foundation that, um, we, you know, we feel comforted by. So yeah, I was a, a definitely a threat to, to where he was at in the moment. And, um, yeah, we had some many, many kind of difficult moments and a couple really heated arguments about what was, perhaps there to find in that unknown and what we might risk in, um, in heading out to, to look for it. How did, how do you feel like you changed as a parent as you traveled? I think your first stop was Costa Rica, but then you went on to be all over the place with your kids. How do you think that experience changed you as a, as a parent? Well, for one, um, we didn't, we knew that we couldn't control what was out there. So as you head into these different experiences and traveling the world with your kids while traveling with your kids alone, you know, stuff's going to happen that you can't control. (laughs) I mean, starting with the plane ride, it it never turns out the way that you hope it's going to turn out. They never (laughs) sleep for starters, but, um, you can't, you know, you can't control what you're going to find. And that's the, the beauty in that. So there is a certain amount of letting go, um, you know, when, when you embrace a life that is like that, a life sort of on the road. And I think that it helped us to be less, um, sort of prescriptive in our lives and less, you know, teaching them that they needed to know what was going to happen from minute to minute and sort of embrace, embrace, um, a fluid life. And that was, you know, I, I think that's been important to all of us since, since living that life early on, it's been, you know, many years since then for 15, 16 years since then. So, um, I think we all live, live true to that now. Well, and it kind of changes that idea of, of what is enough for what we need to, to have with us. I remember my kids now are 19 and 16, but I remember when my kids were little traveling with them required just even like to go across the country, you know, big bags and tons of things and hundreds of books and pens and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the book, you sitting there with the kids and you're reading the same five children's books over and over because that's what you brought with you. And yet you had so much of monkeys and oceans and sand and fields and 
flowers and fresh food and all of that, it seems like it must have kind of changed your idea of what what is enough? What must you have with you? Oh, I think that's that's such a great point. And that's exactly how it felt. Although in the moment, in those first early trips that we took, I re- distinctly remember feeling afraid, afraid of our time, my time with them, because I had kind of insulated myself as a young mother. Um, and, you know, working was a way to not embrace my motherhood because perhaps deep down, I thought that maybe I wasn't going to be good at it. And that was one of the, the quote picket fences that I had to jump with within myself. So I remember being scared as, you know, we had less and less stuff in our travels and that I might need to just be me with them. And that, that was, I was intimidated by that early on. I really was. And then, then you find out that it's not so scary and you take little steps and, um, the world around you and nature helps you become, you know, uh, um, help, helps it to become easier. But in the moment, no, I was, I was really, uh, I was afraid of that closeness. Maybe that's one of those boundaries we put up for ourselves as parents, um, because it, mm, I think sometimes as we're teaching our kids to be themselves, be your true self, I love you for whoever you are. We forget to take that teaching and apply it to ourselves. We forget that Um, As we're encouraging that free expression in our children, we're also watching ourselves to be sure, like, are we going to do the right thing? Are we going to mess it up? Are we there too much or not enough? And I think sometimes our kids just want us. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. They didn't. I know now that they didn't want anything else than me just being me. But uh, I was very insecure. And you 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 use the stuff around you as a buffer for that. And uh, there's just no need for that. And I think it's a metaphor for life as well you know, we have, we have all of this stuff around us and our devices when, you know, really that, that, that silence in nature and the simplicity of, you know, of what we have around us is, is all we need. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely have learned to be a less is more, um, gal since, but again, those early days, it was just very, very difficult to let that go. Now, you from Costa Rica, and then you were in France, if I'm remembering correctly. And from that base in France, you write really vividly about an experience that you had volunteering in India, sort of as a, I don't even know what the word is for it, sort of as like a touristy volunteer in India. That part, that scene sets the book, and it to me is kind of the heart of the book, because you come back to it. Can you tell a little bit about that experience you had as a volunteer, and why why was that so important in just kind of changing the way you thought about your life? Well, I'd always had this, you know, really, really strong desire to want to give back to the world, and I um, I knew it had something to do with with traveling and and exploring and discovering. And so the first bunch of years, that we had left the US, I, I didn't get to it. I, I really, we just, you know, we were observers and learning from all of this, you know, beautiful world and places and cultures. Um, and I didn't quite get to this, you know, the heart of what I felt I needed to do, quote, out there until I took this volunteer trip. And I think that many of us um, who have that tug, you know, you have that feeling of, I, w- I wanna give back and I wanna do something that matters. Uh, we automatically go towards a volunteer vacation. And if if we want to do it in the global sense, um, outside of our local communities. And so I didn't even give it a second thought. I just went. And it wasn't until I was in this situation in this orphanage for, you know, over a hundred kids 
who didn't speak English and I was completely just out of my depth and I didn't, didn't, we didn't have a curriculum to teach from. We were the group of us completely ill-equipped to deal with what was before us. And, um, I came home thinking there must be a better way to channel people's desire to, to do something in the world and to link it with places, um, in need. And, you know, the volunteer, you know, vacation industry really needs a lot of rewiring because, um, there's a, there are a lot of, you know, experiences that are put together that they don't, you know, it doesn't benefit anybody at the end of the day. And so that was where I started with all of the, the work that was to come later around development work and helping communities get access to, to basic things was it started from an experience that was really not very good. And I had felt, you know, like, you know, it was just a glorified vacation to make me feel better, which it didn't. I felt like, you know, nobody benefited. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. I'm talking with Lydia Dean. Her new book is Jumping the Picket Fence. Lydia, in that in that experience, um, it, it feels like you were becoming aware that sometimes the way we think we're helping doesn't really help. And I take that back to you in that comfortable house with the travel books around you. Sometimes the things we think we need, the things we need to take with us, or sometimes the way we think we'll insert ourselves in someone else's experience, that's not always the right way forward. Mm. Oh, yeah, that has been, I think, our entire journey in building both a philanthropic travel company and a foundation that works very close to the grassroots we have learned that what we think people need is not always what they need and that our perceptions of need are very much based in um, our own experience. And so why would we have any, um, why would we have the clear solutions for, for, for people who live um, in a very different way based on very different traditions and different uh, come from different economic, political you know, um, context. And so, you know, our, our desire to want to give back is, is, is wonderful, but it has to be rooted in something more than that. Our intentions we have learned are, are not good enough. The, the good intentions are not good enough. We have to, um, we have to be more thoughtful about how we go about doing this. And that that's taken time for it to unfold. And we've probably made every mistake in the book, but, but ultimately we now know that that, effort uh, needs to begin with people doing for themselves and that we can be partners um, in seeing their visions come true, but that we shouldn't assume that we could ever know what it's like to be in anybody else's shoes uh, and certainly not on the other side of the world in, in, in situations that um, don't apply to us in our daily lives. Maybe that's another one of those picket fences we run up against is that because we see everything through our own filter. And I think sometimes I'll speak for myself. Sometimes I project ahead out of that own, own, my own filter without stopping to think about how I could broaden my horizons and see things in a different way, instead of thinking my way to look at this is the only way to look at it. So of course I'm right. Of course I want to help. I'm a good person. Of course my way is going to be helpful. Mm, exactly. And I, you know, people, uh, people don't judge this desire to want to do something altruistic. So it's assumed that any, any effort to do so, um, is going to turn out good. And that, that was such, um, that was such a, uh, an interesting experience to see how our efforts 
to make the world a better place can actually have unintended consequences. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, it was kind of a sad moment to see that, but it's, it's a very real reality and it, it, it forces you to actually stop and listen and learn first, both, um, about where it is that you want to help, but also about your, yourself and where you're at in life and what might be missing in your own life that could be driving this need to, to, to fill that hole or to, to do for something, for someone else or to serve someone else, because you don't quite feel you know, whole yourself. So it's, it's really, uh, it begs a lot of questions and is a lot more complex than I ever thought going into it, but, um, has been a wonderful journey in discovering. And that's a little bit about what, you know, I, um, I share in the book is this unfolding of, of understanding what it means to, to listen to the world and, and what it means and how we can best kind of share who we are, um, in that process. So how can we share how can we help whether it's in our relationships or globally or anywhere in between how well, can we serve and help and do good when we are ourselves imperfect right we're going to mess it up all the time and the world is a messed up place yeah i mean that that i find is really the the question of the day and uh, you, you know it's just perhaps you know too easy to to not do anything. I, I, I think we all get these little knock at the doors that mine was that I wasn't happy doing what I was doing in my suburban home. Um, and I didn't know what steps to take to, to get to something more meaningful for me. Um, so we're all individually going to get those, you know, knock on the doors and that, that calling, whatever that is. And only we individually know what that, that calling is and when we're ignoring it. But, you know, it's, it's that inner voice that says to us, you know, maybe you should this, or, you know, maybe you do have time for that, or maybe, um, you know, maybe you could set this aside to, you know, to, to make more time in your life, either for, for your own self-balance or for just the people around you. So, you know, the, the question starts with that dialogue that we have internally, and whether we're listening to it or whether we're putting up barriers to it. And I, I, I think it's really, really easy to turn our back on what that dialogue is. And, um, it's, you know, it's a shame because if we can find the strength to kind of listen and then take the baby steps, I I'm a firm believer that it leads us to a place where we're knowing of ourselves and also very, or much more able to give it freely in whatever form that is. And I wonder if we're less likely to run away from things when we allow ourselves to hold that space to kind of come to know ourselves in a compassionate way. Some people leave everything and they take off around the world because they're running away, right? It's like they're chasing their own tail across mm. the across all these countries and all these experiences. What what you share in your book is not a running away from something. It was a kind of a it was like a hey, let's go see. Let's explore. I wonder what's here. I wonder what I can do. I wonder what I can learn. And it maybe it's that idea of kind of holding that compassionate space for ourselves that lets us, instead of trying to outrun everything, lets us just embrace what we have, where we are, whether we're going to travel or whatever it is that we're going to do. I totally agree with you. And, um, my story took me around the world and I've always seen the world as my classroom. That's, that's where I've, I've 
I've learned all my greatest lessons, but I don't know that we, you know, I'm sure we don't each need to do that to, to, to learn what we need to learn about ourselves and what we have to contribute. Um, it's all, you know, it's all there in our midst, be it, you know, staying at home and in our own communities or, or, or be it traveling. I loved the book, the alchemist by Paulo Coelho, because that's the theme of that book is that Santiago does go on this big pilgrimage when ultimately, you know, um, the messages that he didn't necessarily need to go anywhere, that the answers that he was looking for were inside himself. So I, I guess the question really is then if the answers are, are inside, you have to go on a journey, be it just inside or, or, you know, taking the steps physically to, to take the journey, you have, you know, you've got to do something in that search for your own, your own meaning and and figuring out who you are. So I I think it's worse to just not do anything. Uh, We have to respond to, to what's, what's knocking at the door. And when we respond from that place of love and a sense of adventure, even if we're talking about going to the grocery store, not like packing up the children and moving to France, but right to respond with that sense of love and adventure that it changes everything. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. With about just, we've just got about five minutes left together. I'd love to hear about go philanthropic and, and what you offer there. And also this is a great place to share your website and tell people how they can find out more about your work. Sure. Well, there are two entities um, that get at sort of what we do, and and we 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 offer sort of a, a platform for global learning, and also a place for people to engage in some of our big global issues. So, the the travel component is called Go Philanthropic Travel, and we offer four or five trips a year to various places around the world where we have partnerships with small grassroots community-based programs working on human trafficking and providing access to, to healthcare and education and to human rights in areas that are marginalized. And these trips are, um, they're wonderful opportunities to meet with sort of the lesser known change makers of the world who don't have that broad exposure Um and, you know, through our work at Go Philanthropic Foundation, which is the nonprofit entity, we work closely with those nonprofit programs in helping them to become stronger and more self-reliant and uh, less dependent on um, on the international funding community to, to survive and more more empowered to to stand on their own. So um, it's kind of two sides of the house. One one is deep work and partnership with nonprofits around the world, and the other is an experience component where people can actually experience and see and learn sort of the underpinnings and the the complex variables that go into some of our global issues. Um, So all of that can be found um, at LydiaDean.com and I've got links to both of those um, organizations and um, and to the book that can be found on Amazon in both Kindle and and book format. What what are some of the places where you travel? With, oh, the, with go philanthropic travel. Oh, with go, Phil, go, go philanthropic travel. Um, cause there's no end to the places that I love to, <laughs> but currently we have partnerships with about 40 different programs across eight countries. So we're working in Guatemala, um, hoping to expand to Mexico shortly. We work in India and Nepal. We work in, uh, Vietnam, in Laos and Cambodia and in Kenya. 
So there's a pretty wide variety. And again, the constant um, theme is, is really uh, helping to uh, support programs that work in education, health and human rights. What would you say to somebody listening who's like, well, this is all very well for Lydia, but I have a big dream and I bet I can't do it. I bet I can't get over the fence. What would you say? Oh, just take the first step. It's not about, you know, having it all mapped out and, and knowing for sure, you know, every step you're going to take along the way, just each, each and every step gets, gets you there. And, uh, yeah, I I just think the worst thing is to not take the step because Mm -hmm. uh, I never dreamed that I would be able to experience all of this in my lifetime. I, I, I never thought it was possible. So I'm, I'm glad at least that, I had confidence to take um, the first step, um, which then led to the next. And yeah, yeah, I would I would say just uh, make a move. (laughs) I love it. Lydia, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks, Karen. It was so much fun. Thank you. That's Lydia Dean. Her new book is Jumping the Picket Fence, and you can find out more about Lydia, about her writing, and about her work with Go Philanthropic Travel and the Go Philanthropic Foundation at LydiaDean.com, L-Y-D-I-A-D-E-A-N.com, LydiaDean.com. And you're always welcome over at KarenHager.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events, and you can even sign up for a private session with me there if you are so inclined. That's at Karen higger.com. Don't forget our free monthly guided meditation calls. That's the first Sunday of every month. You can get details and listen to recordings of past calls because there's a blue million of them at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.